This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Today I'm going to do something a little different than on previous talks. As I was preparing, praying about what I should share with you, I felt like the Lord said, don't prepare anything and just go in and turn on the microphone and speak as I lead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Apostle Paul is encouraging the church in Corinth to desire spiritual gifts. And he mentions the gift of prophecy, and that word can really be off-putting to some people. Well, there is a real danger, of course, with false prophets throughout history. And yet in the New Testament, we're encouraged to speak uh, prophetically. Thankfully, very thankfully, the Bible defines what that is for us very clearly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, Paul says, Everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So that's what it is. And quite simply, praying and seeing if the Lord has a word, some message for other people to strengthen them. The word is edification, from the word edifice, to strengthen people, to encourage people, to comfort people. So that's what I hope the result will be today, and I trust that it will be that result, because that is God's will. So, Lord, what do you have? The first thing that comes to mind for me right now, and I'm aware that there are uh, really just a few people listening, perhaps 30 now at this time, I hope that what I share will encourage you. And the word that is on my heart at this very moment is, don't shrink back. Somebody who's listening here is facing a situation, and you have some hesitancy, I guess, about moving forward or stepping into something, or perhaps... It's a, it's a relationship where you really need to lovingly confront another person and talk to them directly. And I feel like God is saying, don't shrink back. Don't hold back. Don't think that you're um, not the person for the situation that you're in. You are the person that God wants to be in the middle of this situation. Don't shrink back. Don't hold back. Don't be afraid. Don't try to get smaller and avoid trouble. Well, as I think about it, to shrink back is to lack boldness, I think, and that's one of the greatest spiritual gifts that we see in the first part of the book of Acts. People who have the Holy Spirit and they are speaking with boldness. People were very bold because the Holy Spirit was with them and guiding them. So if you think this word is for you to not shrink back, my prayer for you also is that you would be bold and put your confidence not in yourself, but in God, who wants to bless you, of course, but he really wants to bless the people that you're interacting with. And he has good words for them that need to be spoken boldly, not overpoweringly, not in an offensive way, but with boldness or fearlessness because God is calling you to it. So don't shrink back. That's the word. Of course, that's a good word for everybody. As we abide in the Lord and walk with him, we should not shrink back at any time. Let's see what else God has for us. Well, as I pray, I have another word that comes. I don't know exactly how it would apply, but the phrase comes to mind, not every decision is the right decision. 
And uh, perhaps this would apply to you or maybe to someone that you love who's looking at making a decision that's pretty important. And uh, the thought may be that each decision has its own positives and minuses and everything seems to be pretty equal. But God wants you to know that not every decision is the right decision, even if it can appear to be right. So this takes my thoughts back to the very first talk in this series of talks about Jeremiah 6.16, and you've just heard my wife read it earlier in this recording, stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Not every decision is the right decision. There are some decisions that appear to be right or may seem to be as good as other decisions, but they're not actually the best way or the right way. So I encourage you, if you're in the middle of a decision and, and this resonates with your spirit, Put the brakes on for a little bit, perhaps. Uh, stand at the crossroads and look and ask God, what is the good way? What is the right way? And once you have that clarity from the Spirit, then do it. Walk in it, and you're going to have peace for your soul. There's no doubt about that. That's his promise. And I will say, as, uh, just as I think about what just came out of my mouth, when we walk on the good paths and the ancient paths, that doesn't mean they're easy paths by any means. As a matter of fact, Jesus walked a very difficult path himself, and we're to be like him in so many ways, grow up to be like him. So when God says, this is a good path, you walk in it, it will surely have its challenges and difficulties, and surely you will be stretched beyond your comfort zone. But it's a good way. It really is a good way. And as it says in Hebrews 12, I believe, there is a harvest of righteousness and peace for people that are trained by the hardships that they go through. If we'll allow ourselves to be trained by these hardships, then there is a harvest of righteousness and peace. Well, as a matter of fact, now that I mention that, I think I'd like to read this section of Hebrews. I will talk about it more in depth in a future talk, but let's just read it now. Maybe I'll point out a couple of things. Uh, verse 2 of Hebrews 12, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin... You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Let's just stop for a second there. These Hebrew believers to whom this letter is written were fighting against sinful men, and they were struggling against a sinful world. They had had their property taken, and they had been beaten and uh, imprisoned, but they had not yet gotten to the point of shedding their blood. And I dare say that most of the people listening to my voice right now have not yet resisted the sin of the world to the point of shedding their blood. And we'll move on in verse 5. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. 
Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers, earthly fathers, disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Now, there's a few things here that just jump out right now. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. So I'll say, if we're going through a time of life where we don't have something that's painful, then we're not being disciplined by our loving Father. Discipline is going to be painful. If it's not painful, it's not discipline. I dare say that our daughter, when I discipline her, and this is not spanking or anything, it's just bringing discipline into her life, telling her how to do things or the way to go, that's painful for her because she has to surrender her self-desire. Well, anyway, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, if we let God's discipline, these hard times that we go through, if we let them do their work in us, if we allow ourselves to be trained by hardships, then there really is a harvest of righteousness and peace. Righteousness, right acting, that's what that means, righteousness, to do the right things, to live a right life, and peace, which is a lack of conflict, I guess. It's a, it's a contentment in our own lives and a contentment as we relate to other people. It's interesting, the next verse, make every effort to live at peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Well, let's see what's next. What does God have for us now? Well, the next thing that comes to mind is um, in Galatians, and it's Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That's the scripture that comes to mind. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Maybe now is a good time for me to share something that I came across the other day as I was reading. Let me see if I can find this on my notes here. It's interesting. There's a, a an article that I read, the title of which is Why Sexual Morality May Be Far More Important Than You Ever Thought. KirkDurston.com. I don't know where I came across this. But anyway, here's something that the author writes. For years, it has been my thinking that God's moral laws are not simply a bunch of arbitrary rules given to restrict mankind's freedom. Instead, they are like operating instructions designed to spare people from suffering while maximizing human flourishing. I really like that. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. God's moral laws are not just a bunch of arbitrary rules that restrict our freedom. God's moral law is uh, like an operating instruction, very similar to the thought that I had a while ago about the owner's manual for automobiles that the Bible is like an owner's manual. And these instructions are designed to spare us from suffering and maximize human flourishing. If we follow God's moral laws, 
then that will minimize suffering and maximize flourishing in life. And here in Galatians 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. This is another example, and I think I'll do a talk about this in the future, the direct link between certain things in the scriptures. And here there's a direct link between being bound to Jesus and us having freedom. That it is for freedom that he set us free, and the way that we find freedom is by binding our, ourselves to him, by abiding in him. That's the way we're set free. And the Lord wants us to flourish and have abundant life, and there is a very specific way that that happens. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then the rest of that verse says, Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Boy, all the things that bound us and held us down before we came to the Lord, we should not let those things have their hold on us anymore. Paul is speaking in a very specific situation where the Jews of the day were falling back into the law. They had been given freedom in Christ, and then some were beginning to say, well, in order to be Christians, we have to fall under the Mosaic law and keep the Mosaic law. And Paul is saying, no, we've been set free from that. And I will definitely be talking about that in a future talk, the covenants of God, which ones apply to us and which ones don't apply to us and how they all relate to one another. But we are set free in Christ, and the way to be free in him is to abide in him and let his abundant life flow through us, and then we'll flourish. We will flourish as we abide in Christ. In verse 13 it says, My brothers, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Here's a contrast. Using our freedom to please ourselves or using our freedom to serve other people in love. And of course, we should always choose to serve rather than be served. Paul says here the entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. As I've said previously, we do definitely love ourselves very much, and we should aim that love away from ourselves and towards others in the name of Christ. Well, let's see, is there anything else today? Well, the next thing that comes to my mind that's on my heart is a sense that someone listening is concerned about uh, the coming maybe two years or so. There's sort of a time frame related to it. Um, a concern, it's an anxiety about wanting to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish in, in the coming couple of years. My sense is that um, the Lord wants you to hear that the way to get to the place that he wants you is to walk with him today. The way for you to be where he wants you to be two years from now is to walk with him, and that starts today. Of course, the Lord said, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. His window of walking is daily, to walk daily. His mercies are new every morning. I believe God wants someone who's listening to my voice right now wants you to hear that the way to get where he wants you to be is to walk with him today. Uh, this reminds me of conversations I've had with people who are looking or thinking about being missionaries. 
And there's a great temptation and a danger in this temptation to think I will plan to be a godly person when I get overseas and hit the mission field. That's when I'll start my real ministry. And that's just not the Lord's way, is we have to live the life that he wants us to live now so that when we move into ministry or a mission field or some different circumstance, we are already doing what he wants us to do, being the people he wants us to be. So I think that's the message for someone who's listening today. Don't worry about what's coming down the road a couple of years from now. Just abide in Christ and walk with him. And not only will you be where he wants you to be, you'll always be where he wants you to be in the present and also into the future. Yeah, this um, scripture is looking at me right now. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially those who belong to the family of believers. So don't grow weary in doing good, because there's a harvest if we don't give up. It's just like a farmer planting seeds and watering and cultivating, and then if he gets tired, if he were to walk away in the middle of the summer, he would never see the harvest. You have to work all the way through, all the way to the end. We have to finish this race, and anything God has given us to put our hands to, he's going to give us the power to complete what he's called us to. So let us not become weary in doing good. We will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Well, I think I'll close it for now. We thank God that he speaks to us. I hope that these words are an encouragement to you. His word is always living and active. And again, I'll say that if some of these things that I'm sharing today are not really for you, perhaps they're for somebody you're going to talk to soon. So um, keep your ears open. If there's anything that's true that I've spoken, I pray that it will bear fruit. I trust that it will. So until next time, may the Lord continue to reveal his ways to you, for his paths are good, and they always bring peace to the soul. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening, and God bless you all. Thank you.